This is the real reason Penn State's defense struggled against Michigan. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Zach Seiko. In today's episode, we are going to discuss why the defense actually struggled so much against Michigan. Then, is Mike Yersich the problem? Figuring out what is going on with the Penn State offense, and finally looking at the bigger picture. Could this 2022 Penn State team even beat the 2021 team that was scrutinized, went 7-6? and six? Yeah, it's an important conversation to have. Did this year's team get that much better? Or are they still behind the eight ball? But let's continue to recap this Michigan game. 41-17 to the final. Uh, Penn State is also now 16th in the AP Top 25. They moved from number 10 to 16, so still a respectable ranking at 5-1 overall after Michigan just destroyed Penn State. But the reason the defense struggled so much against Michigan, there's a few of them actually. Poor tackling, or if there was any tackling, because it felt like Blake, uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards Never went to the ground against this Penn State defense. I mean, 418 rush yards later, even the the big home runs by Corum and Edwards back-to-back like that in the second half of the game, they were on their feet constantly. I think most people highlight when Tyler Elsden threw the shoulder at Blake Corum and he didn't go down, you have to wrap up and physically take them to the ground. Throwing the shoulder and elbow is not going to do anything to those guys. But that was across the board. Guys out of place, trying to make arm tackles, and it wasn't just Tyler Elsden or Jonathan Sutherland who had been receiving a lot of the criticism at the linebacker position. Curtis Jacobs, Kobe King, just basically that second unit really had issues, and it goes to the defensive line as well. Even though they were playing well in their gaps, they they just weren't making the tackles. They weren't wrapping up. They were just kind of getting hands on Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards. I've referenced the linebackers already, but they struggled mightily. Tackling is a whole 11-man defense's responsibility, but the linebackers were out of place. It is up to them with the way that Michigan operated its offense. Defensive line for Penn State had gap responsibility. P.J. Mustafer took on a lot of double teams, basically anybody, Hakeem Beeman, the defensive ends, And the defensive line actually had a good game, whether you believe it or not. You go back and look at the film, Chop Robinson, P.J. Mustafer, all did what they were supposed to do. It's not necessarily going to show up in the stat sheet. The linebackers then have the responsibility. If P.J. Mustafer is going to take on a double team and basically prevent that blocker from getting to the second level, the linebacker has to make a play. You have one-on-one responsibility at that point to get the line, to get the running back in Blake Corum, to get Donovan Edwards, and they were beat just about every time. They weren't pursuing properly. You would see sometimes that they would over-pursue and go to a gap, and then Corum and Edwards would just cut right back through. You would see guys like Tyler Elsden, and I'm not I'm not here to say that Tyler Elsden is slow. Okay, because he'd beat me in a 40-yard dash. He'd beat me in a race, right? I, I am not an athlete. He is. But he was not the fastest person out there on Saturday. When 
Quorum and Edwards would just burst through the line of scrimmage. You have to be able to catch up to them. And Elsden wasn't able to do that. Kobe King, Jonathan Sutherland, Curtis Jacobs. I mean, Jair Brown led the team in tackles. And that's bad when your last man of defense, your free safety, leads the way with nine tackles. That's how often the running backs were getting to the third level. But this game was just too fast for Tyler Elsden and any of those linebackers. Probably the worst game anybody had was Elsden. It's just... I, I know he'll go back, watch the film, and and he'll play a lot better, but it was just tough sledding out there for Elsden and company. Jonathan Sutherland, even though he's made the switch to linebacker, he's still undersized and like and lacks that linebacker presence, right? And it's strange to me because he's played that strong safety role where he's been in and around the box. So you think trans transitioning to that weak side linebacker, it's like, hey, he's already done it. What is missing here because of how frequently he's been in that position just as a safety instead. He put on the weight. It's not like he's playing at 190 pounds, 200, like he weighs 215 from what I thought. But was still getting beat up by the Michigan offensive line. And that's the last part of why Penn State's defense struggled against Michigan in this 41 to 17 result. Offensive line beats defensive backs every single time when you're running the football. If you get a tackle on a cornerback or on a safety, nine times out of ten, it's probably going to be a pancake, okay? Because that is 300 to 350 pounds versus 200 to maybe 215 pounds, right? And Penn State, what are they best at this year? What is their best personnel? Secondary, the 425, the 326, when you can get a lot of defensive backs on the field. Well, Michigan's offensive line, which is one of the best in the country, a team that won the Moore Award from last year, they are going to eat that defense up. And they did just that. Part of it was also the scheme. Okay, Manny, back to the strengths. Manny Diaz's defense, along with that secondary, is, is at its best when it's allowed to blitz. And you can't really blitz on first down and 10, second down and three, Michigan's game script didn't allow Penn State's defense to come alive and play into its strengths. The strengths of this defense are the pass defense and the blitzes that Manny Diaz can dial up. The linebackers and run defense and being big in the box are not the strengths. And I know that James Franklin addressed that we got to be bigger, we got to be stronger and everything, but that's just not this team. That's not the profile of these players. They're lightweight, they're finesse, and they're fast. But strength is going to beat all of that, especially with the way that Michigan was able to dictate the game. So poor tackling, the linebackers just being out of place and not making the plays that they needed to. They had a lot of responsibility on Saturday, and and they fumbled it. They, they did not do well with the added responsibility. And the way that Michigan was able to dictate the game script because it prevented Manny Diaz from adjusting his scheme and the personnel that's out there, Michigan just matches up better with that Penn State defense at the end of the day. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. When we come back, is Mike Yersich the issue for this Penn State offense? I know, they've scored 35, 46, 41, but there are some interesting statistics that we need to pay attention to when it comes to Mike Yersich and this offense. Next. 
From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. I use Upside at the gas station. It is super easy to use, and it's not too good to be true. It works. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Mike Yersich in this Penn State offense. Is it time to really look under the microscope here and say that Mike Yersich might not be doing what we all thought he would do coming in? He's got a very good background. There were a lot of schools that were actually seeing if he could be their head coach, and he elected to take this offensive coordinator position. He's recruited very well alongside James Franklin. Why is Drew Aller here? Why is Bo Prabulo? Why, why is Christian Veyer here? Because Mike Yursich knows how to develop quarterbacks, and technically Sean Clifford's not his guy. Okay, but that, that's completely besides the point. We're focusing on Mike Yursich as the offensive coordinator, not as the quarterback's coach, not as the recruiter, as the offensive coordinator. So, yeah, his background's great. He's good at other areas, but you got to look at this offense because they are not putting it together when they need to the most. Matt McGloin does his own podcast, former Penn State quarterback, started under Bill O'Brien and was one of the one of the saviors of this Penn State program that was under a lot of fire. He did a lot of great things for this football program. He does a podcast with Tom Hannafin. And Matt McGloin pointed this out. This was his observation, but I, I thought it was fit to bring it up here on Locked on Nittany Lions. Is Mike Yursich and the coaching staff, when they develop this offensive game plan week to week, are they forcing Sean Clifford to run plays he's not comfortable with? Matt McGloin being a former quarterback under Bill O'Brien, played a bit in the NFL, like he knows his stuff. So I'm going to trust him when he says this. If he's seeing that, Sean Clifford is out there with plays that he's not adept to run. Where does that come from? That comes from Mike Yursich and the game planning, which is obviously an issue. McGloin also says this, which I agree with. Run plays and call plays that Sean Clifford is best at. Throw the play out if he's not comfortable with it. So even in his sixth year, Sean Clifford has his strengths and weaknesses. Don't run what he isn't comfortable with. And if that's the case, I would like to imagine that over the six years of college football that Sean Clifford is comfortable with a lot and can understand different different styles of offense and, and different types. But here's another point to this conversation, and this is because this is what Mike Yurstich wants to run as the offensive coordinator. I think right now this offense might be trapped in a combination of a pro-style offense and a spread offense. Sean Clifford's a spread offense guy. That's why he was recruited. I mean, Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator and ran a spread style, quick pace type of offense. 
But Mike Yersich wants to come in, and his adjustments are to the pro style, which is why you see Drew Aller and Bo Prabula. They fit that system a little better. And that's kind of frustrating because as a coach, you want to put your players in the system that fits them best. And if you're kind of caught in between two sides of it, the pro style and spread offenses are are very different. And I know that Sean Clifford could handle both, but he's better at the at the spread offense. And he's your starting quarterback. You have to run that to tailor it to his strengths. But I don't think that's what's going on here. I think that they want to start to move the offense towards Drew Aller's strengths and the future of the quarterback position with Mike Yursich running the offense. And I think that's where we are. But it's just this lack of commitment here to what is best for the athletes that are on the field. And that falls back on coaching. This is from Tyler Donahue. He's a writer for 24-7 Sports for Lions 24-7. Since the 2021 arrival of Mike Yersich, Penn State has failed to produce 21-plus points in 7 of 15 games played against Power 5 opponents. In 2017-2020, to with three different offensive coordinators, that happened seven times in 38 Power 5 games, and Clifford started 17 of those games. So that's very telling. In just under half of the games, Yursich's offenses are responsible for fewer than 21 points, right? And Sean Clifford, who had Joe Moorhead, who had Ricky Ronnie, who had Kirk Sharaka, little to no consistency, did not have that problem. Through 15 games, Mike Yursich and this offense with Sean Clifford at quarterback have had that problem. And Sean Clifford didn't have that problem with the lack of consistency. That's kind of telling. Also, here's this. In two games coming out of the bye week as Penn State's offensive coordinator, Mike Yursich's attack has produced two total touchdowns in eight quarters and nine overtime periods. So there you have that too. With the additional week to game plan, and that's really a big criticism here. And a big point to talk about. Why don't you have your best game plan ready to go? That's very telling to me because you have the extra week to prepare. It it felt weird watching that game against Michigan because you had the two weeks. You were coming off games against two inferior opponents where you could hide your best stuff. And it felt like they didn't have it. I get it. The game script didn't flow the way you wanted to. But there were just no adjustments. So now, two games after the bye week, and you can't score more than two touchdowns against an Illinois and a Michigan? Because, yeah, Penn State had 17 points, but who scored that other touchdown? The defense. Curtis Jacobs had the pick six. So is Mike Yursich the right guy at offensive coordinator? Every Everyone's pointing the finger at James Franklin, saying he's not doing the right thing, he's not bringing in the right players, but are the coordinators calling the right plays? Because remember how Joe Moorhead in this offense looked? I, I know the, the pool of players was a lot different with Trace McSorley, with Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin, Mike Kosicki. You're starting to get that with the true freshman, Nicholas Singleton. 
Catron Allen, Drew Aller, they are the future. But Joe Moorhead and Ricky Ronnie had no problems putting up points with the assets that they had. And they were quick. They had tempo. It's just, I, I think that not all the blame should be placed on one coach or one side of the football. I think there's other parts of the team that we need to look at. And hopefully that Mike Yersich and company adjust because you feel like Sean Clifford and Mike Yersich should have a better relationship together or some more symmetry because they have been in the same system for two years together now and they know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. But we're not quite seeing that at this point in the season. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko. I'm your host. When we come back, it's time to look at the entire picture. Is this 2022 team better than the 2021 team? I'll answer that next. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the recent Penn State game or throughout the history of our alma mater. This week's thrilling moment for the Nittany Lions is from the Penn State women's soccer team. Last Sunday, in a 3-0 win against Michigan, redshirt senior Allie Schlegel scored two goals to record her 100th career point. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lines. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Zach Seiko. To finish up this episode, is this 2022 team in fact, better than 2021. Well, the 2021 team was in the top five. We saw it's the same. It's the same story, which feels so weird to me. It's deja vu all over again. This team starts undefeated. They get to that midseason Big Ten game and they lose. But here's the difference. Okay, last year's team did not lose in this kind of manner, despite all the things that they, all the adversity they face. Sure, they finished seven and six. I get that. I. I I understand that. And there's still a lot of football to be played, but it, it just makes me wonder, do we know for a fact that this 2022 team could beat the 2021 team? And I'm not exactly sold. Both teams started undefeated. They beat that Big Ten opponent on the road, right? Last year it was Wisconsin. This year it was Purdue, and it wasn't a convincing victory. You needed a lot of things to go right. It was 16-10 to 10 at Wisconsin. It was 35-31 at Purdue. And then Penn State beat Auburn. Well, they beat Auburn last year in Beaver Stadium, and that was a better Auburn team. This one is a shell of itself. They are not a good football team. Penn State, it's a signature victory. It's a great historic victory, but it, it has to do a lot with the fact that the Tigers and Brian Harson do not have it put together. That was not a good team, and Penn State exposed them. But now, Michigan exposed them. They went out to Iowa. That was a game they should have won, okay? If Sean Clifford and P.J. Mustafer don't go down, they beat the Hawkeyes, which is what I'm getting at. I don't know that this team would have been capable to go on the road against an Iowa team last year because of some of the struggles. They still don't have a consistent running game. Nicholas Singleton and Tron Allen are better. The offensive line is better. But against better teams, against Purdue, against Michigan, it was non-existent. That's great that you can run on Ohio and score the big touchdowns against Central Michigan and Auburn. But those teams 
are not all they're cracked up to be. And let's go back to 2021. They never lost 41 to 17 to anybody. It was always close. Number five, Ohio State, nine point loss on the road. At home versus a college football playoff team in Michigan last year. Four point loss. And if it weren't for a couple special teams mistakes, that Penn State team would have upset Michigan. Right? And then a three point loss at the end of the season to a number nine Michigan State team. The only reason they lost the bad games to Iowa, Illinois, is because Sean Clifford was hurt. And they didn't have P.J. Mustafer for the season. They had a lot of NFL talent on defense. Jaquan Brisker, Arnold Ebicady, Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, Derek Tangelo, Tariq Castro-Fields, Jesse Lucetta. Yeah, I know. And they're all gone. You had to replace all of that, but it's showing now. I just named three linebackers right there, right? Jesse Lucetta, Brandon Smith, and Ellis Brooks. Jaquan Brisker, those guys were great at defending the run. They would have matched up better against Michigan this year, and and they did last year, because Michigan is no different. They're the exact same team, other than the fact that they have a different quarterback in. They made that choice to go to J.J. McCarthy. But at the end of the day, I'm not quite certain that this 2021 team and this 2022 team are that much more different. Sure, Manny Diaz's defense brings that attacking style in the blitz, and they utilize the assets of the team, but Brent Pry had a lot of good players and knew where to put them, and the best attributes of those players came out. The offense is slightly different in the fact that they don't have Jahan Dotson this year. You don't have that superstar playmaker. You have a lot of good guys who are really good at specific things, but nobody who can really take over a game just yet. And I... and. It's hard to comment on where some of these players are because I think Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen will be able to eventually take a game over, but not right now as true freshmen. So it's just something that I've kind of been pondering. How much better is this 2022 team, just given the fact that last year they never lost a game like that, and they played a lot of tough competition, and they played them close. There was no business they should have been in that Michigan game. There was no business of them being in that Ohio State game. And they made it close. This Penn State team was blown out of the water on the road against Michigan. Now they got to respond. And this week we are going to scout the Minnesota Golden Gophers. We are going to get the full preview. Right now Penn State is a four and a half point favorite with a 44 and a half total. The whiteout game, 730 kickoff. It'll be fun. James Franklin has his weekly press conference. And we will talk about that tomorrow on the next episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Everyday host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That's Locked On Big Ten.